Hey listeners, before we dive into this week's episode, I want to introduce you to a brand that's all about good health and great taste. It's time to level up your beverage game with HealthAid Kombucha. HealthAid isn't just any drink. It's a wellness powerhouse packed with probiotics, antioxidants, and organic goodness. With a wide range of mouth-watering flavors, you're in for a treat with every sip. From classic flavors like cayenne cleanse and ginger lemon to the bold and adventurous pink lady apple and berry lemonade, there's something for everyone. But here's the real magic. Health Aid Kombucha is more than just a tasty beverage. It's a drink that loves your gut. It's raw, vegan, gluten-free, and never contains artificial anything. So if you're looking to boost your digestive health, support your immune system, and enjoy delicious, guilt-free refreshment, Health Aid Kombucha is your go-to choice. Ready to make your change for the better? Head over to healthaid.com and use promo code TMB for an exclusive discount on your first order. That's healthaid.com with promo code TMB. Cheers to a healthier you, and thanks to Health Aid Kombucha. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Self Starter Show. I'm your host, Steve Clare, and on this show, you're going to be hearing from entrepreneurs. You're going to hear about their wins that got them where they are, their losses, and everything in between, as well as the advice that they have that helped them along the way along with bonus solo episodes of my personal secrets of life, success, and empathy sprinkled in for you, the listener. Like chapters of a great book, each episode will provide you with a bit of a cheat code to success and happiness. All right, this week we are here with Patrick Manning. Patrick is the founder, the creator of Alio. Alio is a protein bar that is nut-free, allergy-free, I don't know what else goes on the list of free, but I'm sure you're going to let us know. Mm-hmm. Um, when you had reached out to me with Alio, you know, instinctively, I don't know many people that are allergy and nut free, but my niece, Lily, is nut free. And I know her parents, my brother and sister in law, are very adamant about making sure there's no peanuts in the house, no sesame in the house, nothing. Mm-hmm. So when I had posted this on my IG, I got pinged. I knew she was going to ping me. But then I had other people. I, I was getting Facebook messages. I didn't even know that I could post on Facebook. But I guess all my Instagram posts go directly to Facebook. And I'm getting Facebook messages about people asking me, like, first off, how good is it? So you tell me, Patrick, where are you guys at right now? What are you working on? Tell me about Alio. Yeah, so Alio's, like Steve said, allergy-friendly protein bar company, free from the top nine allergens. And that is that covers everything that's, you know, from nuts to dairy to seeds, so sesame seeds, uh, soy, shellfish, uh, seafood, and then wheat is also one of them. So, yeah, that hits. That's eight. eight. We got a nine. Uh, oh, peanuts, tree nuts. So peanuts, tree nuts. Said nuts as one. But um, but yeah, so there's like 32 million Americans that have you know a food allergy that they would be that they would react to, and 85 million Americans that just have some kind of intolerance or something like they they like to stay away from certain foods. You know, so a lot of your followers probably, if they might not have an allergy, stay away from those foods. And you know, we kind of went down that road because my brother's got a peanut allergy, and I myself like to stay away stay away from certain foods. So you know, and it's a huge need. And there's really nothing else out there that is free from the top nine that's also high in protein like we are. Amazing. What was uh, 
what was the first flavor that you guys came up with? That's like the first thing I want to know. First flavor you came up with and what was like the base behind it? So we actually had uh, the brownie and the mint were the first two that we came up with. And then we ran with that for a little bit, actually under another name. So this alley was our, our second name. And then we came out with cookie dough because everyone wanted a flavor that wasn't as chocolatey. And that was a little bit different. Cojito? A cookie dough. Oh, cookie dough. I thought yeah, cojito. So, uh-huh. you, know, you know what cojito is, right? Uh, no, I do not. Cojito. It's like a Puerto Rican drink, right? It's like a Puerto Rican drink during the holiday season, so it's kind of like cinnamony. Oh, okay. That's what I thought, which let Could throw... be a good option because everyone's that... like, oh, do you have something that doesn't have chocolate altogether? Because yep. we have chocolate chips in that. And I'm like, not yet, but maybe. There we go. So some sort of cinnamon flavor, whether it's straight up cinnamon, snickerdoodle. Snickerdoodle is a really popular choice. They're something we should look into or you should look into in the future. Mm-hmm. More flavors is definitely going to come out down the line. The... Uh, the predominant amount of responses that I got from it were for parents finding a product for their kids. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's large part of your target market or or because it's a protein bar, it's you're more going for millennials or Gen Zs? So it does seem like, you know, when we started it with someone who was kind of like on the go and maybe a little bit, you know, kind of the millennial or Gen Z, but now it does seem like a lot of parents, especially moms, you know, looking for their kids, like for a safe snack for school or something like that to throw in the backpack that they can, you know, be confident that their kids can eat without having any concern. And, um, and this fits the bill perfectly. So we have a lot of moms who are our customers. That's a great target market. I have to make lunch for my kid every day for daycare. Mm-hmm. He's 18 months. And every day we have to make lunch for him. So even to take like a Alio bar and being able to break up a few little pieces to put in there every day would be fantastic. That is, yeah. So these bars are a little bit bigger, but they could be broken up and can be used. And I think they taste great. So everyone likes them. They do taste great. How did it all start? So let's, uh, let's go back literally. What were you doing before you created Alio? When did the idea come to you? Do you remember the night or the day it happened? It kind of seems like all a blur looking back on it now, and um, it's kind of funny that it does, but this whole idea kind of came to me right in 2020, actually. So I was in college and um, actually on the road to medical school. So I was ready to, I had a, I have a degree in biopsychology. I was ready to take the MCATs, and obviously 2020 was when, you know, COVID hit. That was my senior spring. So we all got sent home in, in March of 2020, and I didn't know what was going to happen. So... Throughout my entire, you know, college career, I would eat a bunch of protein bars, always on the go, never had time to really make a meal because... Did you have just... a bar of choice? I would like... I liked the no-cow bars originally. I thought they were good. Aloha's very good. I like to stay towards that cleaner kind of vegan bar. Mm-hmm. And um, and those two options were what I was kind of using. But, you know, the taste kind of started to get a little bit poor after, you know, I think, you know, these companies get a little bit bigger. They seem to cut back on different things and taste seems to be one of them. And, um, and then my brother, like I mentioned, he's got a peanut allergy and he couldn't eat any of those bars. Every other bar seems to have a base of like, you know, peanuts or tree nuts or one of those issues. And, um, and yeah, so that's kind of what got me really thinking. So we got sent home, didn't end up, you know, doing my MCATs because everything got canceled. It was like, is this really what I want to do? You know, you take that step back and then you really think like, well, where do I see myself in, you know, 10 years? Like I'd be just graduating uh, medical school, I would be then doing my residency and, and doing all that. Or I can maybe go down the road and try to build this protein bar that no one's ever done before that, you know, in 10 years, I could look back and I'd be in the same spot, but I could potentially have a an awesome company impacting millions of individuals. So 
with all the free time we had, we decided to go to the kitchen in like a food processor and just start throwing ingredients together. And that was when we, you know, came up with our brownie and then our mint formula. And we probably have, you know, there's pages and pages of different formulas, like hundreds of different formulas that so we have used. So are you Googling or YouTubing? Where are you finding your first formulas? And what, do you, what are you looking up to even find these formulas? A lot of it was just Googling, looking at, you know, everything's like on the back of the box of the other protein bars, seeing what these bars had, taking out what we can't use, trying to find an alternative that's healthy and safe, putting it all together, and then just tweaking the, uh, the grams and the amounts, you know, every single time to see how it came out and taste-wise. Now, are you able to manage or not are you? How are you able to manage when making a whole batch that every bar has an equal amount of in ingredients? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we you know, went for that food processor. We then found a facility that was allergy-friendly, and then they can take it to the scale that we need to do to you know, give it to the, the customers. And uh, from there, you, know, you just scale up the batch sheets, and those are all in grams, and they scale pretty easily. And everything, you know, Everything works out pretty well. You do see small little tweaks need to be changed when you go from like, you know, a small 10-pound batch to a 500-pound batch, but everything kind of scales pretty well. Now, is it super expensive or maybe even just a little more expensive being able to manufacture in an allergy-free facility? Because I imagine that like it's not a matter of producing it somewhere where, you know, let me rewind. To be able to do it where they're not producing any of those nine allergens that you mentioned, that's really hard. Because even though like someone who's producing shellfish might not have anything to do with peanuts, to find a production house that is doing neither, that's only focusing on allergy-free, mm -hmm. I would be shocked if more than two or three of them even exist. Yeah, so trying to find one <laughs> took months and months and months of just, you know, researching, reaching out to other companies that are allergy friendly, being like, hey, who do you use? And very little respond, if any. And uh, we actually, Why? no one likes to give away their uh, their secrets of who they're using, you know, because it's, you could take space away from them and they can't produce as much. A no, lot of the companies- They're not wrong. No, it is true and you know, I wouldn't give away too much information as well, but I was trying for it. So um, so a lot of these companies actually manufacture for themselves just because, like you said, you know, it's so hard to find a facility. We actually had a place in, in the West Coast that we were ready to go with right when I was starting, probably 2021 towards the end. Like and, part um, of a ghost kitchen? I'm sorry. Would it be like part of a ghost kitchen or how would you – what was the facility? So they were a full big facility I was free from, I think, at that point, like the top 14 allergens. So there was a few more. And uh, they had everything. Like they looked really great on paper. We then, you know, reach out to them. I'm like, hey, like I'm ready to go. I'm going to do a test run with you to make sure my small kitchen run can scale to like, you know, a couple hundred pounds. Like, all right, cool. Send me the money. Send them the money. Two weeks later, they say, hey, we're going out of business because I asked them. I'm like, hey, I'm gonna, where should I mail the ingredients to you? They're like, oh, yeah, sorry. Like we're going out of business. Like, you know, uh, just stick with us. We'll try to get it at turning around. I'm like, oh, I don't think that's a good idea. So never got the full money back from them. But how much money was it? It was only $3,000. Oh, okay. At the time, it was, you know, the end of the world, but it wasn't a ton. But we well, got the third bit. Right, but it's not a matter of the – it wasn't the end, of, the end of the world at the moment because of the money. It's because you had literally tried to navigate where to find these people. You mm -hmm. found them, and now you're back to square one. And that must have been so defeating. It was terrible. I mean, it took months to find them. Ugh. And then, you know, two weeks after you pay them, they say that they're going out of business. You're like – End and it was world. two months later? I'm sorry, two weeks later. Okay. It, it was kind of a close time, yeah. but still. 
it was like the end of the world. And um, that really, you know, put us back and really, you know, took the wind out of my sails. And I was like, is this even like going to happen? Like I had no idea. And we didn't even have, we've never made the bar at a kitchen. Like we've never done anything with it. So we were still super early on. Luckily enough, I think it took us like another, another three or four months, found another place that was willing to work with us. And then we've been with them since and they're, they've been good. But, um, but yeah, there's a lot of, you know, regulations and restrictions and stuff. And the cost is a little bit more, but you know, it, it, it's what you have to do to make an allergy friendly product. So where are you producing now? New York, New Jersey? We're actually, I have a facility in Vermont that we're working with. Amazing. So, and how often are you able to go up there to actually see the facility? And I guess to piggyback on that, um, had you gone to the facility in California? In California, yeah. Had you been there before you sent them the money? No, never been. Just had a f- quick phone call. And then she really started to get aggressive. I was like, hey, like, you got to pay me now. Like, this has got to happen. And I'm like, whoa, I just asked like some small questions. Like, I needed to figure uh, some stuff out. So the writing was kind of on the wall. It was guess. a red flag, you know, like you learn so much as you go through it and you're drinking out of, like a fire hose. But now looking back, I'm like, all right, I should have known that there was something kind of going on there. But Totally. Listen, always where there's smoke, there's fire. And from mm-hmm. that, you learned. Mm-hmm. And now you know more so even go with your going with your gut. Super important. Super important. So how'd you find the facility in Vermont? So the facility in Vermont, we actually, I was down and out. I had no idea what to do. It just started reaching out. And what's the time frame between when you found out this place is closing to now going and finding a facility in Vermont. So that was the place probably closed like October 2021. And then, you know, we probably didn't find the place in Vermont until, you know, either end of 2021 or beginning of 2022. And then from there, we kind of jumped right in and started producing because we were ready to go. We just needed a place. So we found this place luckily through a chocolate company in Canada, actually, just reached randomly reached out to the guy who was the founder of the company it's like, hey, you know, you have an allergy friendly product. I'm trying to do the same thing, but in protein bars, who do you, you know, manufacture with? Or like, you know, do you do it yourself? Or what the deal is? I need some help. So luckily enough, he was like, hey, this company in Vermont, they're really good. I don't even, they don't even work with them, I don't think, but he just knew of them, recommended me, reached out to them, and, you know, it's worked out ever since. It's interesting that the Canadian was super helpful he right was off the bat. Well, meanwhile, all these Americans were just, uh, trying to shield you from using their <laughs> their vendors. Yeah, they didn't want to give too much up. And then I've actually tried to reach back out to him and have not been able to get in contact with him. It's kind of like one of those where you just... Did he even exist? I know. And there's actually a few different <laughs> moments in this uh, you know business where it's like, okay, you gave me such good information and now I can't like repay you. Like I don't even know how to say thank you because you just won't respond. So it's pretty crazy. That's amazing. So when you did find the facility in Vermont through this chocolatier, mm-hmm. uh, did you go and check it out before moving forward? So we didn't have to pay them up front, which was nice. We did go that time to, um, you know, when we were producing. So I was in the facility kind of checking it out. We did a very small run just to see and everything was good. Everything checked out and it worked really well. All right. And so what I have going through my head is how are you funding this? Are you currently working another job? Had you saved up from your job previous? What are you doing? Is this your your number one or are you doing it as a side hustle? So right now, this is my number one. And Well, now, when you yeah. started. Give so, me the, when you started up until now. Mm-hmm. So when we started, I was doing some small jobs on the side, you know, just trying to, you know, kind of fund it. It's all self-funded. We have no other founders. It's just myself. 
And, um, and yeah, so we've just been trying to really bootstrap and be super strategic about how we're, you know, getting the bars out there, how we're producing and everything like that. And uh, just trying to be super lean with it. We're going to hopefully raise money this year. But up until now, it's just been myself and, you know, working small jobs here and there. Keep it going. So you ra- you're talking about raising money. What would you do with all the money? All the money. What would you do with money that you would raise? Mm-hmm. And also, how much money are you looking to raise? Right. So we are definitely, I said try, but we are definitely going to raise money this year. We cool. need we need it to, you know, continue. We're going to raise hopefully a little over a million dollars. And it's going to go into a lot of marketing, advertising, you know, even manufacturing, trying to drop our cost of goods and stuff. Because, you know, right now we're only buying like the the minimum orders of everything. So being able to increase that volume will really help with profit margins and everything. Also, you know, trying to just expand into different retail costs that need a lot of capital for that mm-hmm. with like buybacks and, and retail dollars and stuff like that. So really would be able to take it, you know, to the next level. And I think, you know, what I've been doing up until this point is just getting that proof of concept to see like, all right, we have a great formula. Everyone loves the flavor and taste it really works and now it's like all right let's take it to that next level it's amazing i'm uh i'm like thinking right now of a couple people in the cpg world who i'm gonna connect you with after the show That'd be awesome. um who have been uber successful with s- not i'm not gonna say similar products like uh, uh protein bar mm-hmm. but cpg products that were small and are now gargantuan no, that's that's that'd be awesome. You know, the help and, and those connections are great. And just the experience, like, you know, I have no idea what I'm doing up until I already I do it. So uh, to get some experience from someone who's been there and done that would be would be great. And what sort of events are you trying to get into this year? Because right now we're in the beginning of 2024. Mm-hmm. Do you have like a, a calendar of goals of where you want to be throughout the year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're doing a couple small events in the upcoming month of, of February. We're doing some Orange Theories and then at a couple sports complexes and some gyms in the local local area. And then we have a uh, gluten-free expo that we're doing actually at Hofstra University in May. So that's on schedule. The gluten-free expo is also going to be in Philly in the, uh, I think in September. So we're going to try to hit that as well. I know, I'm um, pretty sure it's Fancy Foods at the Javits Center. It's a huge one, which would be awesome to to just like walk the floor of it. I don't know if we're ready to get a booth there, but just to be in that with all of those huge players and those, um, you know, amazing food brands would be awesome. So, so yeah, we have a decent amount on schedule and hopefully to, you know, keep expanding it. And what about in the world of fitness? Other than Orange Theory, I'm, I'm thinking like ex, like fitness expos. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, haven't thought of too many fitness expos. When we were, you know, doing the other when we were un, working under the other name, we um had the um I think it was LA name? Fitness. Yeah, so that's a interesting part of the story too that I kind of I we we were jumping around a little bit, but we'll go back to that. Okay. Uh, so LA Fitness, that whole one out there, that huge fitness expo, they've reached out and said that they would love to have us at their you know events. So that'd be really cool. But that's you know we would need to raise money for that to um to make that happen. So that's like you know part of the. Where is the funds going to? Getting to all those expos that are just you know, across the country. There's a huge one also in Anaheim that's like the pinnacle of you know CPG, which would be awesome to go to. But that's, what's it called? Uh, expo West. Yep, is massive, and um, yeah, that would be cool to go to. That's in March. And Expo East is in Orlando, I think. They just switched it. It was in Philly for the longest time. Got I'm it. not too sure where it is this year. It's in the fall. Okay. But um, but yeah, back to the um the story and, and kind of building it up. Love this. So um, this is actually pretty crazy. So we 
we finally get to the point where we have a manufacturing facility. We're, you know, trial and error, trying to figure out how to make it all work. I got to buy all my ingredients. I got to send it all of them. I have to do all of that. And they just kind of put it together. We then finally get the bar to where we think it's good. We then start to, to sell the bar. This is probably like 20, this is 2020 to around like September time, August, September. So we finally start selling website, Amazon. We actually have a, a college reach out to us and they're like, hey, we want your products since it's allergy friendly in our you know athletic program for our student athletes. And I was like, this has got to be a fake email because how did they find me? Turns out it was real. We then end up sending them, them bars at a lot of other schools bars and that ends up being a great avenue for us that we're doing right now. We then fast forward to the end of 2022, we get our trademark back. So we had a, our first name was Bliss Bars. Bliss Bars. Yes, with a Z, B-A-R-Z at the end. So we you the trademark USPTO is very, very, it takes our time uh, making sure everything's right. So I think it took about 10 months from when I filed it to when they, you know, got back to me. They said, you're all good. I was like, awesome. That was, you know, around October. A couple months later, December time, get another email. They're like, uh, just kidding. Someone else looked it over. We can't approve your name. I'm like, oh, this is terrible. So I'm like, what's the deal? Like, I got two different answers. One says yes. One says no. They're like, yeah, the first lawyer missed, uh, just messed up. They, you know, let something pass. And, um, and yeah, so we can't, you know, approve your name. So I was completely, you know, again, destroyed because I had no idea what the heck was going to happen. And they don't give a reason as to why? They said there was a confusion issue with another company. That's and, usually um, like with trademarks, that's the that's the confusion. If like it's with if another company has something that's too similar. Mm -hmm. And the problem was so you could search your name and I searched my name to like exactly how it's you know spelled and there was nothing. So I thought, OK, that's cool. That's going to work. But they said, oh, there's a company that's very, very similar. The Z doesn't mean anything on your name and you can't really count bars. So this other company that they weren't even actually using the name at the time, uh, they were like, it's just too confusing. So what was the other company? The other company was Bliss Bar and they, so yeah, very similar. Was it a, a, a food product or Bliss Bar? Was it a soap? They weren't using the name for anything. They had uh, the companies like, uh, they had this like, you know, snack ball company that you can kind of eat on the go. It was like a healthy, nutritious, like, you know, granola rolled into a ball. And uh, that was their main product, but they didn't, you know, use the name Bliss Bar, but it was still trademarked under their, you know, their LLC. So they, they wouldn't let me use it. So I tried to appeal it and that just didn't end up working out. So I'm like, all right, like, I really think I have something here. I really want to try to keep pushing it. Let's see if I can find a new name. And while that was going on, we actually got introduced to a food scientist who then gave it to a couple people to try. And all those people gave the same feedback of how it was a little dry, the texture was a little off, and there was a little aftertaste. It's like, okay, so maybe while we're, you know, changing our name, we'll reformulate. So luckily enough, the guy who, the food scientist who introduced it to some people came back to me on a really quick call, super random, middle of the day, was like, hey, change this, 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 and that. Here's what you need to use. Here's what you should take out. And I was like, okay, like super fast. End up doing that. It took, you know, a long time. It took us four months just to find a new name. And I hired a lawyer this time. So that was important. And then it took us, you know, up until probably about uh, like June or July of 2023 to reformulate everything. And then, you know, back to where those ghost people come in, I reached back out to them and 
nowhere to be found. I just want to be like, hey, thank you so much. Would love to send you like a bar just to see like, you know, you helped me fix this <laughs> and no response. So um, another pretty crazy, you know, ghost kind of person ended up bringing us to where we're at. So then, yeah, we relaunched this new new name, new brand, new everything in, you know, November of 2023. So, so what does Alio mean? So Alio is actually Latin for like different or elsewhere. And, you know, it just kind of came to me, like I said, four months into the the process of trying to find a name. There was so many that didn't work. This kind of came to me. It kind of worked out. Our bar is very different. Yep. And the name fits it perfectly. And it was, you know, free to use. So Do I was like. Do you remember like, where you were when you thought of the name Alio? I was just sitting at my desk, like writing a lot of things down. And I was like messing around with just words and trying to make something kind of unique and kind of different, actually, because I was like, ah, like. Everything that's, you know, regular has already been used or there's some issue with it. So I was kind of messing around words and then just started Googling things. I was like, wait, this is a real word and this really means something. And um, yeah, we just decided to go with it because it was available to use and it was kind of cool. It's also a good name. I mean, listen, when looking at different ways to brand, having a word that's a, a triple vowel mm-hmm. stands out. Uh, your logo stands out where did uh where did that come to be so the whole logo we actually hired a uh graphic designer he did work for us before we went to uh, college together and um you know he i was just like hey here's my name here's what it is go design it because i kind of really put a lot of you know my touch into the first design and it was good but it wasn't like what this is now and it wasn't as professional and a lot of people were like ah it's like you know a little 270s it's kind of hard it's crisp like it's not like very like you know You're talking about bliss bars yes the bliss bars logo and and design and packaging i put my like twist to it and i'm not a graphic designer so i was like hey this is your job go design it see what you come up with and he gave me a few different you know variations and and this was the the one that everyone liked the most. And then he just kind of, you know, went from there and, and made it what it is. And I think it looks very, very good. I think it looks great. Um, how, are, how are the margins on the bars? So right now the margins, when we can get to a volume that's like pretty good, which is what we're kind of doing right now, we're about like 30 to 40% like direct to consumer. What's the uh, MOQ at your facility? Um, so they actually can do like, they can do pretty small runs. But right now we've been doing about, you know, 6,000 bars for our three flavors. So 2,000 of each flavor. And that's been kind of giving us a decent margin and a decent like cost per bar to make it reasonable. And then, uh, you know, we're just trying to figure out and tweak a few, you know, small things at the facility to then go to like a larger number because they could handle the uh, the volume. It's just trying to you know, get everything figured out. And every time you go to that next, you know, number. So we started at like, you know, I think maybe, you know, 500 bars to scale it. You then go to 6,000. There's mm-hmm. so many small little things that you just don't think about and know. So like, then, like what? Like just uh, with scale of, you know, using different mixers or how the dough is going to hold up over time because it's a lot. There's a more of a, you know, lag time of like when the, the dough gets made to when it then gets extruded just because there's, you know, you're using two, 300 pounds compared to, you know, like just 70 pounds. So yeah. it runs a lot faster. So, so we actually went from, a lot more room for error. There's a lot more room for error. And the crazy thing is the first time we did, we went from this small kitchen top to the, you know, even a, just a 70 pound run with our cookie dough. It was just like straight, like it was just water. It, it didn't form. It didn't have anything. And I was like, oh no, like, so we've never done the cookie dough before. And you do it at a large scale, like so much can, there's so many, you know, different things that can go wrong. So just trying to get those locked in. 
get to hopefully about 10,000 bars a run and we will be, you know, super set. Amazing. And what would you say is the biggest obstacle that you've overcome that you've been able to learn from? The biggest obstacle I think is just kind of keeping the outside noise outside and not letting that really get to you. You know, like so many people are like, oh, like you just have a, it's a protein bar company. It's a super, you know, saturated market. If you're not familiar, like, you know, yeah, there's a ton of protein bars out there. If you don't have food allergies, you're not really going to understand like, you know, what we're really doing, you know, at least right now. So trying to like, you know, really like push through and keep the noise out and not let it get to you. I feel like it's been a really huge thing for me. You know, sometimes I'll, everyone lets it slip a little bit and, you know, it kind of gets you and it really puts you back. But if you could just kind of, you know, keep going and really just know that what you have is good and be determined to get it done, I think you can do it. A hundred percent. I mean, you're getting people who aren't doing shit, who are commenting about what you should be doing. And they're Mm -hmm. telling you about the product that you literally work on Monday (laughs) through Sunday. And they're telling you it's too saturated. Yeah, maybe because, you know, when they go to a supermarket, they go to a bodega, Whole Foods, the protein bar section is mm-hmm. aggressive. Yeah, there's, there's, a a, there's a huge wall. There's a lot of options. Mm-hmm. But it dif- it's, it's di- Alio. It's different. And the name fits it well. And there, there really isn't too many other bars that are, you know, like it at all that are allergy friendly that have high protein. So, so yeah, everyone who's kind of telling you isn't isn't, you know, hasn't done it before and is like, this is impossible. They're just like, you know, just kind of hating on what you're doing. But um, what do you tell the haters? Try not to really listen to them. Yeah, but like, right. Sorry to cut you off, but there's got to be something that like at this point, you've had enough people that you probably get, you probably get like one, two or three of the same comments from everybody. So it's at the point and like, uh, I'm trying to compare it like, I remember when I was, uh, my son was being born and so many people were trying to tell me, you're going to feel like this. You're going to mm-hmm. do, not the same, but this is what I'm thinking. This mm-hmm. is what coming to, what's coming to my head. People were like, you're going to feel like this. You're going to do this. Don't, you're going to, this is, this is what you're going to be thinking. You're going to, you're going to be doing. Don't do this. Don't do that. And it got to the point where I'm just like, I appreciate your input. I'll totally think about that. Mm-hmm. And what's your response when people tell you, well, when people tell you, protein bar too saturated of a market you're about 15 years too late for the product yeah so like we, you know, I said we get that a lot and the main thing is you know I could be doing something else that could be, I could be going and working a regular job and I'll kind of push back on them with that a little bit because it's really someone who's just working you know a normal job who who kind of maybe is you know either intimidated or just likes to, to hate back I'm like you know I'm young, I can, I have nothing to lose. So I'm going to go out and do this. And I know this is really going to impact a lot of people. And that's kind of how I'll push back a little bit. And luckily right now, no one has really been saying too much because we're finally at the point where we have a product where people like, and also another thing is if they kind of push back, I'll be like, hey, try the bar. I think it tastes great. Bring me another product that I think that you think tastes like similar or is better. Then yeah, I'll like, you know, I'll agree, but, but try this product and you'll be super surprised and you will be shocked at what we're, you know, what we're doing. Amazing. And when looking at, and I, we're bouncing around here because I just have all these things come to my mind. Talking about funding, how mm-hmm. much, like what, what sort of fund are you looking to get? 10K here, 100K here, 500K here. Obviously, 100K, 500K would be a great investment. But like how low of an investment would you be willing to take? So the lowest investment we're doing is $25,000 for right now. And then um, we're going to do, you know, like a million dollars safe 
at about um, you know a 35% return. So we're going to have the minimum investment, like I said, $25,000, and then they can go from there. So obviously we would like to have you know larger investments to have less people in the pool, but more people could actually help if you bring in the right kind of people that have those connections or even knowledge or experience. You know, I'm still young and don't have all of that. So bringing in outside experience is super valuable. Who would be an ideal investor? Ooh, an ideal investor. It could be a specific person or a specific type of person. Mm -hmm. No like specific person that I could think of off the top of my head, but someone who's, you know, has that experience and who's kind of maybe done something in the food space. It doesn't really have to be bars. So I think food space in general is very similar, but just someone who's done, you know, who's built a food brand or someone who has a bunch of connections to like, you know, a retailer like Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or something like that, who can kind of open those doors. Something where like I would have to either pay a ton of money for or, you know, really just take the time to, you know, cold email and and try to get my foot in the door. So someone who has those connections to kind of streamline that whole process just to make it so much easier. How much outreach have you been doing to athletes and celebrities? So we've been doing some with some like, you know, micro influencers, nothing with any huge athletes or celebrities yet. Just try. I feel like they're going to want so much that I want to figure out exactly what we'd be willing to give up. And, you know, also just getting your foot in the door with them is also quite challenging. So you're talking in terms of investment or in terms of just getting product to them? Uh, so like maybe both. Like so like an influencer slash investor kind of thing would be really cool if they were, a, you know, athlete or celebrity. But I feel like, you know, bringing on a uh, big time influencer is really important and really helpful. Got it. Um, I guess someone more in like the Instagram TikTok world or someone more actually more built up, someone who has been successful in their profession. Mm -hmm. And that is why they are said influencer, not because of just their popularity on social media. Yeah, so ideally it'd be someone who's built up, you know, like like, like you said, yeah, and and someone who like you know the bar really resonates with them, like they totally. have a food allergy or their their kid does. That's literally where my head's going. Mm -hmm. Like finding that that NBA player or this that this singer whose kid has an allergy, or mm -hmm. even better, if they have an allergy. I don't right. know. Let's say like Post Malone had a nut allergy. Mm -hmm. Getting in front of someone like him would just be. It would be amazing. Gargantuan. Yeah. And that's the kind of person, because I feel like with a, a product like this, you know, it really has to speak to them and they have to be like, you know, this impacts my life greatly. Exactly. And also there's so much like, you know, ads and and we get bombarded by so much stuff that I feel like if someone just takes it and kind of posts about it here and there, like they're not going to really take it seriously. But no, there's no ROI it, for that either. Right. Right. And if it means, you know, something to them, they'll take it seriously. And then people will understand that too. You know, we could kind of see through that, you know that fakeness have you guys thought about anything other than bars because like i i make protein balls at home mm -hmm. um have you thought of anything other than bars like a four pack of protein balls uh yeah so we actually you know right now we're focusing on the the bars we're going to also try to come out with a formula that doesn't have pea protein in it because there's a lot of peanuts and peas are very closely related so um so yeah having a bar that doesn't have pea protein is going to be a big thing that we're going to come out with and then and then the balls, the protein balls would be awesome just because you could have like, you know, a grab and go that's a little bit easier or something like in a bag. And that would definitely be later down the road. We're not too, we're focusing on this for now, but uh, those thoughts have crossed my mind for sure. Who's been your biggest inspiration while building Alio? Uh, the biggest inspiration has probably truly been like my parents just because they've supported me so much through this process. Mom and, and dad more. Um, You're possibly, supposed to say both. 
Definitely both. Definitely okay. both. No, but uh, the support that they've given has been just, you know, amazing. Like they've not, they believe in me probably more than I believe in myself most of the time. And they believe in this product and, and the success of it all. Probably also more than I believe in it sometimes just because I'm in it and they, but they see from the outside. And, you know, I feel like your parents could have such a big impact on what you do. And for them to let me kind of go out and do something that's, you know, relatively crazy in the eyes of like, you know, society and, and not normal for them to just support that, you know, wholeheartedly is, is just awesome. That's amazing. Right now we're in January, 2024. Mm -hmm. What would you say the next six months look like for Alio? So next six months, I feel like this is going to be a huge year for us. You know, like I said, we're going to definitely the biggest. We finally have a product that everyone loves. We are, you know, really starting to expand. So we're working with some colleges right now in their athletic programs. I want to really in the next six months expand that. Next six months, I would love to, you know, lock in an investor, even get maybe a big time influencer or someone who's, you know, a little bit bigger than who we've been working with now to really take this bar to the next level. And then, you know, beyond the six months, by the end of this year, would love to start to get into retail, some bigger retail. You know, we're in some smaller, you know, gyms and, and uh, sports complexes in, in the area, but would love to really get into some retail by the end of the year. What's the path into getting into retail? The path, I think it's mostly just trying to get your foot in the door with the uh, the product buyers and stuff and just, you know, introduce it to them, show that there's a need. Also, a lot of people will show their like, you know, past history sales and stuff Be like, hey, you know, we've done really, really well online. People are really loving our product. Our repeat customers are huge. And, uh, you know, they shop at your store and, you know, we should be in your in your store. And, and I think, you know, having a great product, having that proof of concept really helps you get on the shelves. Going to like, so I work at a Lifetime Fitness. Mm -hmm. um, it's very family based. Mm -hmm. And I feel like going to gyms, not like uh, an Equinox or an LA Fitness, but something that's more like a country club vibe, like a Lifetime Fitness, mm -hmm. where it's very family based, would be a very good uh, target for you guys. Even doing, let's say, like a, putting a table for tasting on like a Saturday or Sunday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we really want to start to do that with like, you know, places like what you were saying and uh, doing samplings in there to try to help spread the word. Because there's, you know, a ton of people that have no idea who we are. So being able to, you know, get the word out there to a place where, you know, a lot of kids might go even on the weekends or stuff with their parents would be really great. You know, we we're working with a sports complex now and it's been very, you know, going very well just because it's very family oriented. Parents are coming in with their kids. And uh, it's just been working really well. So, you know, an LA, or a, a Lifetime or LA Fitness or something like that could be really, really good. I'm like, uh, while I do these interviews, just ideas come to me of mm -hmm. stuff that I want, people I want to connect you with. I love it. Off the screen. Um, so I have one guy in CPG and then another uh, buddy of mine who owns the indoor amusement parks mm -hmm. for families in South Florida, mm -hmm. all, all in Florida. And I think that's this is a great product for that as well. Yeah, I feel like the untraditional markets, you know, like an amusement park or even like a sports complex, like in that sports complex had no protein bars. They just had like, you know, Kit Kat bars and Hershey bars. So something a little untraditional. Crap. Yeah, they, they don't have anything great. So we can really come in there. We can be eaten by anybody and we're healthy. So an untraditional approach is really what we're trying to go for. And that's why we're, you know, focusing on schools and like the amusement parks, like you said, untraditional. And I think it could work really well. Amazing. Um, so what are you reading right now? So currently I'm reading, which I think is actually my favorite book. It's The uh, the Power of the Subconscious Mind 
by Dr. Joseph Murphy. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I haven't. But it's like it really kind of changed the way I um, like go about life and, and everything. So it's my second time reading it. That was going to be my next question because you said it's your favorite. So I'm like, if it's your favorite. So far, like, it's been my favorite, that, yeah. That would be like heavy recency bias. It was your first, <laughs> first time reading it. You're not even done. You're like, favorite book. No, I was recommended. Someone recommended me to it. And, you know, I didn't pick it up for the longest time. Finally grabbed it, sat on my shelf for a while. And then I finally started reading it and was like, wow, this is really, really good. And then had to pick it back up again because that was, a, you know, probably about six months ago. So I wanted to, uh, you know, brush up on it again. But it's a very, very good book. So tell me the name of it. So this is, if there's one book that you would recommend to anybody. Yeah, the one book would definitely be The Power of the Subconscious Mind by uh, Dr. Joseph Murphy, I'm pretty sure. And it's, uh, he was an older, ooh, like maybe psychologist and um, he's he's dead now, but he's got a very interesting book written a while ago. And uh, and yeah, it's, it's awesome. Amazing. Now, before I let you go, give me one word for anybody trying to make it. So that one word would definitely be probably determination i think you know just to be determined like and to keep going through everything like you know you have a good product you know you want to do it you know you impact people but you know like i said block everything out and just keep going until it works and i think if you put you know a ton of effort into something that that is good it will work out and i think that's the biggest thing just being determined and just doing it Let's rock. Dude, thanks for coming. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. That was great. And like so many people, 99, 98, 99% of people would have, when shit hit the fan in LA or California, yeah, they would have put their tail between their legs and gone back to daily life. We've had a lot of those yeah, <laughs> things it, happen. It's, it's the, the ones who persevere mm -hmm. through something like That's that. That's a good one word. That really... Are successful mm -hmm. and that that's all it is i feel like you're gonna have so many knockbacks but just keep pushing through that and just keep you know keep at it staying level too because there's a lot of highs and lows and not getting too high is important and not getting too low is also very important but you know just pushing through is is the key so when you're looking for funding your story is a big part of why someone should invest because mm -hmm. while investing in the product is one thing it's more important to invest in the person right Super and important your story and how you persevered is something that a lot of investors will pair that with the mm -hmm. product. Mm -hmm. No, that's awesome. Yeah, I think we actually have a great story, even though it kind of stunk going through it, but it adds to all of it and uh, helps a lot. Yeah, that's life. It's a great story for sure. Yeah, uh, trust me, on the show, I hear uh, many like, like rock bottom moments mm -hmm. and it's like, what the fuck did you do when you hit the rock bottom moments? Yeah. And it's like a lot, and I've speak to people who have a moment like that and when I call it a rock bottom moment, they laugh. They're like, no, that's that's a problem and we fix it. <laughs> yeah. It's not like if you expect to not have problems like that, mm -hmm. then you are going to fail. That is super true. There's going to be, you know, probably more problems than, than wins, especially early on, but just, you know, Figuring out how to solve those problems and moving forward on it is the key. Cool. Awesome. My man. I appreciate it. Thank you.